welcome to Epiphany Fellowship's podcast, where our goal is to see people everywhere show off the glory of Christ in every area of life. We pray that you are blessed and encouraged by today's message and will allow the Word of God to dwell in you richly. Say one more time, he's able. Do better than that. Say he's able. Amen, amen, amen. Let's give God another hand praise. Amen. Amen. Our God is able. He is able uh, to do what he said he would do. Not what we said he would do, but what he said he would do. Um, There is a difference. And so, again, as has been noted today, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and all of those uh, who are mothers instead uh, for other mothers and who play a vital role in the development of people, those who have taken on that role as spiritual parents, surrogate parents, guardian, adopters, uh, uh, even foster parents, whatever way that you have committed yourself uh, to making sure, it's something about parenting that just hit differently. And um, and parents are um, those who help shape the trajectory of our journey. And so, and particularly mothers. Mothers are the primary nurturers in the home, and we are thankful for your commitment and your love and your guidance over the years. And for those of us like me who whose mom is uh, no longer here, I wanna just encourage you today uh, to continue to remember the legacy of whatever impact your mom had on you and um, grieve, grieve well, and not only grieve, because I know some folk have lost their parents recently, some people have lost their mom during COVID, and so you, you, it's still kind of raw for you um, that your mom is gone, and or, or, or someone that was an auntie that was like your mom, they're gone, and so we're keeping you lifted up today that you would grieve and that you would remember them and that God would give you sweet memories and and the legacy of what they were that made them mean so much to you will live on in you and how you reflect the, 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 the good stuff that they invested in your life. Well, today we are still in our series. We're, we're winding it down. The series is pretty much done. We are today, we are in, uh, uh, we're in Luke, Luke, the 18th chapter verses 9 through 14. Luke, the 18th chapter, uh, and we will be in verses 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and looked down on everyone else. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. The Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. Greedy, unrighteous, adulterers, and even like this tax gatherer. I fast twice a week, God. I give a tenth of everything I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God, have mercy on me, 
a sinner. I tell you, this one went down to his house justified rather than the other one. Because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. But the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Today, in our time together in this winding down of our stronghold series, I would like to talk about overcoming the stronghold of self-righteousness. Overcoming the stronghold of self-righteousness. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you and we honor you that you are the one who makes us righteous. And Lord God, I pray that we today would know how that happens and what's the mechanism for you making us righteous. And Lord, I pray that uh, where we have blind spots and logs in our eyes, that you would help us, whether it's from the speck to the log, to deal with it so that we can live differently and reflect you in an honorable way with humility. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer in whom we trust. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Overcoming the stronghold of self-righteousness. I can remember when I first became a believer, I was I was on fire for God, y'all. I was I, I mean, you know, when I when I started walking with the Lord for real, you know that for real, for real moment where you where you are absolutely on fire uh, for God. And I was I was radically saved. So I was saved in a way I was saved. Now, you know, I was I was a hefty weed smoker. You know, I, some of y'all heard that before. And I, I was a wild boy. Um, I was wild. But those aren't the only sins. So let's not reduce them to drugs and drinking and women or whoremongling. They, if you prideful, you're just as sinful. Um but I remember when I got saved, because of the radical transformation that had happened to me, um, I, 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 began, I began like running hard. I was sharing the gospel. If, if the trees would listen to the gospel, I would, I, I would share the gospel with the trees and the, and, and, and the, and the birds, whatever, whatever kind of person. If I was on the bus, if I was on the sub, if I was anything I was on, I was sharing the gospel. And, and those are great things. There was something, though, that came with me that it took me some time as a new believer to realize is that I had no grace. I, I, I was let me just tell you something. Listen, I, I didn't give you a, a room to make mistakes. I, I didn't listen. If you if you if you cursed, I gave you every verb in the word in the Bible. I gave you a biblical anthology on every verse I memorized on why cursing is wrong. If if you were sleeping around, I I, I met with you and you know and, and and there's good stuff in there. But I was I was very meticulous about dealing with other people's stuff. But one of the things that I realized is I was hard on other people, but I wasn't hard on myself. You you know many times, you know you you're hard on what other people. Uh, don't, see, that's one thing about mothers. Mothers are nurturing. They give you time to grow. You know, when, when, when you're self-righteous, though, you don't give people time to grow. But, but you want to give yourself time to grow. You know, it's funny. We want the grace and mercy. Many times we don't give others. Sometimes in us, we, 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 we'll say stuff like, well, well, we aren't as bad as blank. At least I don't blank. <laughs> I blank, but God, I, I don't blank. In other words, we have a very, very small view of our sin 
But when someone else does something, I mean, we can see it. And, and many times, I, I want to say this, and I've said it before, um, being self-righteous and what we would call legalistic. Legalistic, and we'll explain this, meaning, meaning there's a list of things to make you righteous. Okay? And that, that means everything's wrong and there's no, there's no gray areas. There's only one way of doing things and that kind of thing. But many people that are self-righteous and legalistic have the darkest bones in their closet. I haven't met a person, if you, you, you let me know, you show me a person that's always jamming somebody else up, always beating up people with no grace, always got some significant chicken bones in the closet. <laughs> so when we talk about this as a stronghold, what makes it a stronghold? Well, let's remind ourselves of what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a mindset, value system, or thought process that hinders your growth. It hinders your growth. With the way legalistic people work, family, and many of us still can be that way, and self-righteous, I still got some, some, some self-righteous singes on me, you know. Um, <clears throat> but it's a part of a mindset, and it's something that we got to get, 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 get behind and engage. But what is, self, what is self-righteousness as a stronghold? What, it, what is it? And this is a working definition because this is a big category. Is a mindset, value system, or thought process that causes systemic blindness of one's personal need for God in all levels of life. Let me say that again. It is a mindset, value system, or thought process that causes systematic blindness. In other words, the systematic blindness means it, 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 it blinds you in every area of life in many, many ways that you don't even know. But not only a systematic blindness, but, but also it, it blinds you of your personal need for God in all levels of your life. Self-righteousness is the sin that you have a, uh, is, is that interestingly enough, is that sin that is a, 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 a person that puts all kinds of rules and regulations to everything. It's an interesting sin because it's a sin that started in the garden. <laughs> it's a sin that started in the garden. When, 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 when the adversary, the serpent, said to Eve, did God say? And what he began to do is said, if you eat from the tree, he just knows that you'll be like him. You'll be a God. In other words, Satan was offering Eve an opportunity to write her own righteousness. In other words, in other, in other words, in other words, you don't have to like, like, did God say that? Like, make your own rules. <laughs> See, self-righteous people don't recognize that they're always trying to make rules. And that's what, they, and that's what makes it demonic. It's making rules that are outside of God's commands or developing commands to keep God's rules and making the command to keep God's rules, the rules itself versus God's command. What do I mean by that? <laughs> Jesus' disciples was, was doing some stuff. And they said, they didn't wash their hands. He said, that's, the, he said that's, that's men's law that you're talking about because they viewed your hands as from your fingertips to your elbows. And because they didn't do it their way and in their methodology, and it's not even in the word, it's just a, a, a way that had become helpful in making sure that you're ceremonially clean. But when you didn't do it the way that they prescribed, that wasn't prescribed in the word, they viewed you as not keeping the word versus holding you to the standard of what the word actually said. 
See, that's what makes self, self-righteousness is demanding that people avoid sin like you do. Even though, like, 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 like you have to be careful of putting on people your issues that's your issues that's not necessarily in the word. So please stay with me on this. This is very, very important. I have to always be cognizant of that. I'm saying, is this God's word or is this my preferred way of doing it like this? And, and, and so, and so, and so we, we, we have to be very, very, very careful of self-righteousness. So what am I not saying, though? Because I know some people are saying amen really, really hard because I know why you're saying amen hard, because this in your mind is freeing you from several things for you to say stuff like only God can judge me then. See, I knew it. See, I knew it. I, I ain't got to listen to nobody no more. Only God can judge me. I do me. I do my own. No, nah, that's not what I'm saying. Why? <laughs> because somebody is I'll say, see, that's why that's why I don't fool with Christians. Because y'all be self-righteous and y'all be hypocrites, but y'all be judging, you know. But the issue is <clears throat> we should judge rightly, not unrighteously. Bible says you'll judge the angels. So we're not talking about judging unrighteously. We, we, we're talking about biblical judgment. So, so be very, don't, 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 don't run off of the deep end on this thing. <laughs> Saying I could just, you know, that's, that's, that's a form of self-righteousness as well. So you got to know, know the difference between being judgmental and self-righteous. There's, 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 there's a difference, uh, um, uh, uh, rather than judgmental, the act of biblical judgment, rather, and self-righteousness. <clears throat> we'll talk about that. And this is not saying remove the need for accountability. It's not what this is saying. <clears throat> so let's dig in. I got one point today on overcoming the stronghold of self-righteousness. Number one, many times we need what we think other people need. Many times... We need <laughs> what we think everybody else needs. Um, <clears throat> now here, Jesus does something beautiful. He, I, I like the way Jesus, the, the Bible uses all types of ways to express <clears throat> truth. You know, it used figurative language. It uses satire. It uses parables. It uses a lot of ways to convey truth. <clears throat> and you, uh, uh, um, parables are good way of it's, it's just artful the way Jesus does this and he does this <clears throat> in, in, in a very interesting environment here <clears throat> that I want us to be clear on so he said he told he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves <clears throat> that they were righteous and looked down on everybody else this is interesting <clears throat> Um, he, he basically said they, they looked down on everybody else and viewed themselves as righteous. Now, the question is, what is righteousness? Let's start with that, because we got to define righteousness so that we can understand the nature of self-righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is characterized or proceeding from accepting standards or morality or justice. It, it, it's a conformity, listen, to a certain set of expectations uh, righteousness is the fulfillment of God's expectations. But not only is it the fulfillment, listen, of God's expectations. Listen, righteous is who God is. We'll see in a second that righteousness is a very, very, very massive word in the Bible. It's, it's a massive word in the Bible because it, it's, it, it has two types of levels in, in righteousness for the most part. 
It's intrinsic and it's extrinsic. What do I mean by that? Righteousness is internal, who you are, right? Who you are. <clears throat> we'll talk about that in relation to salvation and how you get it. But, but, but also righteousness is extrinsic, how you execute righteousness. So when we talk about first being righteous, we're talking about being righteous, we're talking about having the capacity to understand God's standards and to have your life conform to his standards. Extrinsic righteousness is the ability to execute the standards that God has imputed into you with the capacity to execute. So this is very, very important. So, 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 so when we talk about being righteous, we, 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 we're not talking about just the actions in and of itself. We're not just talking about some esoteric reality in itself. It's really the, 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 the true dichotomy of both being two sides of the same coin. It's the heads and tails of the Christian faith, if you will. <laughs> so when you look at how, how, how Jesus is saying, this person is saying, they thought, he, he said they trusted in themselves. That's the difference. See, a righteous person believes that they can do what God called them to do on their own. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm going to let you know this right now. You can't do this Christian life on your own. Ain't nobody going to talk back to me. You need some holy help. That's why the Bible says, by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. It's not calling us to be lawless. It's saying you don't have the ability in and of your own strength to do what God has called you to do. That's why Paul said in Colossians 1.29, striving with all the strength that he supplies. Listen, because you, you got to be honest. You got to be honest. Most days we don't want to be righteous. Oh, y'all better quit playing with me today. You know, we are petty people. And we want to act a plum nitwit, as my mama would say. Um, and, so, and so righteousness is a choice. It's a choice daily. And so how do we get righteousness? This is very important. This is the meat and potatoes before we get to the rest. How do we get righteousness? That's the question we should ask. <laughs> Number one, you get righteousness by knowing the God that God, uh, that, it, uh, that God the righteous, we are not righteous. That we got to know that God is righteous and we are not. That's where righteousness starts. <laughs> That's why Isaiah, in Isaiah 6, when he saw him, he said, woe is me. See, when you're in God's presence for real, for real, I ain't talking about the, 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 the shine of my presence. I'm talking about, y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when you really in his presence, and you know everything ain't right, you see the gap between you and him. See, you, know, you can't understand righteousness until you understand the gap. <laughs> that there's a difference, there's levels to this. <laughs> and, 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 see, and see, when you in, with the, the, you can't, if, if you're out here and you've never encountered your unrighteousness, you can never learn what righteousness is. It's, that's, that's, that's the way the gospel works. You, you have to first be like, man, I'm a mess. If you see the, the first step to, to breaking the cycle of self-righteousness is to know that at some point in time you were unrighteous. And if truth be told, you still got some areas of your life that ain't right. You got some other places in your life where there's some gaps and you need to. Some of us don't say woe is me often enough. I am undone. <laughs> Some of us need to feel the undoneness and the gaps 
in our life so that we you because you can't be judgmental towards someone if you're dealing with the same stuff they dealing with. Matter of fact, <coughs> many of us are dealing with the same stuff that others are dealing with, but we justify it in our own life and crucify it in everybody else's life. <laughs> and so and so you have to be very that, that's what makes self-righteousness so dangerous. Because when self-righteousness doesn't meet God, all you have is you and you can trust in you. But when you, when, you, when you meet the Holy One, the Holy One in all of his glory, exalted, and see him and the cherubim saying, holy, 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 kadosh, 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 and they scream in the name of Yahweh. And you say, they don't even, they're in his presence, but don't even look at him. That's what the Bible says, no one's seen him at any time. <laughs> Woo! They're there to guard him, but they can't look at the one they're guarding. It says their faces are covered. Because they can't look at him. He had to build them wings that were sunglasses. Because that holiness is too thick for you to look at. Even, if, even though they're perfect, they've never stared at the one in unapproachable light. Never would they do it. But we think... We're that though. And Isaiah, who was a prophet, knew immediately he wasn't that. He was a preacher and knew something was wrong with him. You understand? Like, you know, if you write the word of God and you know something wrong with you, what we, hold on, what, what are we? We ain't wrote not a Theoplutas, God breathed word ever. Number two, how do you get righteous? Number two, understand that we can't secure righteousness on our own. By works, Romans 2.20, by works of the law shall no flesh be justified. You can't, by, for by grace are you saved through faith, not that of works. Why is that important? Because you can't be self-righteous about something somebody gave to you. If somebody gave you an expensive outfit and they said, man, you know, we'll strut out there like we bought it, you know. We be walking like, <laughs> you know, we walk out there like we, be, oh man, that's expensive, man. How much you pay for that? Oh, you know how, how we roll. But you, you just, but you trying to act like you paid for it. But in all reality, somebody else got it. And instead of you just admitting, I can't afford it, you just try to self-righteously act like you got it on your own. That's how we do with God. Stuff that God has done for us, we try to act like we got it on our own. But if it had not been for him and his grace and mercy and his might and his power, you would not be anything in his presence but because of Jesus. So understand, you can't, you can't secure the, the bag of righteousness. You can't, you can't. You ain't got enough bread to secure that bag, family. That's, 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 I told you it's levels to this. Number three, we are only made righteous by faith in Jesus Christ. I know this is too simple for you, <clears throat> but sometimes you got to be reminded. You got to be reminded. We are justified. Romans 5.1, we are justified by faith in Christ. And then finally, living righteously is, is a grueling process of growth. I'll explain that in a second when we talk about positional and practical righteousness. It's a good, Paul says, not that I've gotten there yet, but I press towards the mark. 
That means you got to know that even though you've been positionally saved and you've been imputed with Christ's righteousness. In other words, now you are viewed as perfect. However, you're practically still a mess. Just because you saved don't mean your life every day is perfect. You're given perfection to enter God's presence, but your practice is still a mess. And so therefore, you have to immediately enter the sanctification process of growing. So therefore, he says, not that I've attained it yet. Paul is writing a letter under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, letting you know that he ain't perfect. Let me just tell you something. If I was Paul, I went to heaven, saw everything. You understand what I'm saying? If I was Paul and I was writing letters, I wrote most of the letters in the New Testament, planted more churches, you couldn't tell your boy nothing. I said nothing. Yes, I did. But, 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 but let me tell you something about the way life works, and this is for free. When God has called you to something great, he has to wound you so that you can remember that what he's using you to do isn't the center of your righteousness. Because you can let God's, even if you get money and you're getting things in your life and you're getting exalted, you can, there's some a part of you that the kind of, you know, think you did it all yourself. And see, self-righteousness comes from saying everything in my life comes from me. That's dangerous. That's dangerous. That's why some of y'all don't ever worship. That's why some of y'all don't ever lift your hands. Because you think everything in your life was done by you. But see, when you have some type, that's why David would say, I meditate on your testimonies. In other words, he said, I got to start thinking about what you did in my life. I remember when I was out there acting a fool and left field of the kingdom. I remember that car accident that could have destroyed me. And I don't know how I got it. It wasn't my evasive measures from driving methods. A plane could have dropped to the ground, but somebody's hand got up under the plane. Listen, if you will understand that where you are ain't where you are because you got yourself where you got yourself. It was God. It was God. You did work, but a lot of people work hard and come out short. Work without the spirit and God's hand is goose egg ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so pretty much in him, we live, we move. And have I been? That's, that's what you got to think about. Everything about your life. <laughs> Everything that works out in your life, every good and perfect gift comes from him. And listen, there's, there's stuff in your life that God has done that you didn't earn because of walking with him. See, self-righteousness says, oh, it's because I was walking with him. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't bless uprightness, but listen, even in, listen to me. Even in you doing right, it wasn't 100% right. Y'all not getting it. See, in order for you to earn what God gives you, you have to do right 100% rightly. 
That means even in the right that you did, it was by grace. And even in the mishap of you not fully being 100% right was taken up because of what Christ was done. And then the whole thing is really a work of God because you didn't give yourself the ability and the gift to do that particular thing. You didn't give yourself the opportunity to do that thing. Every one of the pieces of the equation of something get done and something coming in your life comes from God. That house wasn't just you worked for it. God had to get you to the point where that door opened up for that house. Listen, for you to be able to have children, God had to open up that door. God had to work that thing out for you to be able to be single and be as fly as you are. Listen, even the process of your education, if God didn't take care of it and do the process, it kept you awake at night so you could get your work done. Listen, it's all him. It's all him. It's all him. It's all him. See, that's what the self-righteous have to recognize. Look at verse 10. Then he gives the example. <laughs> this, is, this example sh- should make you cringe. It says, two men went up to the temple to pray. I like the way Jesus starts it off. That's old preacher. So, I can hear old preacher say, two men went up to the temple <laughs> to pray. That's how they, I, I just love the way they do. <laughs> It says one a Pharisee and the other a tax gatherer. Now, if you're in their day and you hear this, you're like, what is a tax gatherer doing in the temple? We understand why the Pharisee is in the temple. That's the first thing that will come to their mind. The first thing that will come to their mind is why is Shorty here? You ever seen somebody come to church? You're like, wow. <laughs> Praise God you're here, but wow. That's deep. That's deep, right? (laughs) Because they think only people that are good in their eyes need God. And Jesus is making a deep point here. This should strike you. It said the the Pharisee was standing and praying like this about himself. Now, I'm, I'm trying to understand I wonder where's he talking out loud. I've always, the the text doesn't let me know whether, but this would be crazy. Can you imagine somebody like talking like this in the gathering of the saints? Like, I always was wondering, is this dude, like, like, I don't know. Jesus, I don't know. But somehow Jesus is either giving a real example of something that happened or he's creating the scenario for a lesson. But it does personify the disposition of both. So look, it says the Pharisee was standing and praying like this. Let's just listen to that about himself. You ever gotten a conversation with somebody and they talked about themselves and their accomplishments the whole time? I don't know. It's somebody I don't even call no more. I'm not putting them out there. I ain't talking about them. Talk to them no more. They just say, ain't nothing worse than somebody. Man, you know, I just bought this, man. You know, dude, I just got this. I'm on the phone like it's 45 minutes later. It's 45 minutes later. You telling me all about what you got, what you're doing. Like, I'm like, what's the purpose of this? Because all that say to me is insecurity. If we talking 45 minutes about you, you insecure. See, self-righteous people aren't empathetic. And so... He says, now now this is what's crazy. I mean, this is crazy what he says. 
Thank God. Can just imagine this. I want you to, we're in service. Somebody's leaning on the back wall. God, I just, you know, I just want to holler at you real quick. God, I want to thank you that I ain't like other people. That's like, Like, I want y'all to think about how wild that sound. Like, I thank you that I'm not like other people. Then he started naming stuff. He said, I ain't greedy. I ain't unrighteous. I ain't an adulterer. Matter of fact, I ain't even like that tax gatherer standing over there. Like, this is some, even if you believe that, you wouldn't say it out loud. But what's... <clears throat> ironic about this is that Jesus <coughs> charged the Pharisees with each one of these things. Hold on. Y'all think I'm, I'm, y'all think I'm lying? Everything that he said he's not, Jesus told the Pharisees they are. Okay. Y'all looking at me funny. In Luke eleven thirty nine, 39, greedy. <laughs> he says, but the Lord said to him, now you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you are full of greed. <laughs> see, see how self-righteousness is? But see, they have, see, self-righteousness has a way of not calling their greed, greed. See, so people, see, they probably believe they were getting what they deserved. They didn't see it as greed. When they, when they were running the temple, they saw themselves as being good stewards of the temple and getting more resources in, but they made it into a den of thieves. <laughs> See, self-righteous people always got a way of nuancing their sin. Y'all not, I'm by myself in the church today. I'm by myself today. Now, let me go to, it's too much. The next one, unrighteous. He said, I'm not unrighteous. All right, Matthew 23, 27 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! You are like whitewashed tombs, which appear beautiful on the outside, but the inside are full of bones of the dead and every kind of impurity. In the same way on the outside, you seem righteous, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Then he said, he also said, I'm not an adulterer. And we know this is appendage to the passage, but let's just read it. It says in John Chapter 8, verses 3 and verse 7. The Pharisees and Sadducees approached and tested him, asking him to show them a sign. Jesus said, an evil and adulterous generation demands a sign. He called them adulterous. But this is the funny one, uh, a funny one here. It says, then the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. This is going to blow you away. When they persisted questioning him, he stood up and said to them, the one without sin among you should be the first to throw the first stone. Now, you, now that may seem weird. He's not saying just without sin in general. Because they had the right to challenge her if she was in sin. And they didn't, weren't in it. But the word for sin here means particular sin. Everybody that was about to stone her were adulterers themselves. He said, you got the nerve to stone somebody for the very sin that you're committing. That's, that's how unrighteous they can be. And so what's the characteristics of the self-righteous? They don't see their need. Uh, they don't see their walk with God as communal project. 
It's out of Paul Tripp's book, Dangerous Calling. They don't see their walk with God as a communal work. They, don't, they do not work well with others. They consistently believe they are right and know best. They are resistant to change. They do not respond well when reminded of their need. I could go on and on and on. But then verse 13 comes. Jesus says, but the tax collector standing far off would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but kept striking his chest and saying, God have mercy on me, a sinner. See, what does this point to? Humility. What does humility point to? Brokenness. Bible says in Psalm 51, 16 and 17, well, 17, he says, the sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and humble or old, old translation, contrite heart. What is brokenness? What is brokenness? How do you break the cycle of self-righteousness in your life? Live in a constant state of God neediness. Live in a constant place, family, where you know you need God. Uh, um, 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 bro brokenness is an interesting idea because it, it, you have to walk with God in a way where you know that there are gaps in your community with him. How do you do that? You automatically just remind yourself of your brokenness. But it doesn't mean focusing on your brokenness because you've made righteous by what Jesus Christ has done. And because he has made you righteous, you have the ability to come before him. And so that means you and I need to not be in a place where we justify stuff that we've done. That means when we're confronted, be honest about what you was confronted about. When you get confronted and jammed up and you know it's checkmate on your soul, you know when it's checkmate. You know when it's checkmate. Just, just go ahead and let it go. Because guess what happens? The quicker you repent, the quicker you face the broken areas of your life, the less God, things God has to break. Okay. The less fingers God has to break to get to what you're holding on to. And then healing can start quickly. And then it's possible to have a wonderful life, but constantly always know, man, that could have been me. That means when you're not self-righteous and someone falls or some, something happens, or something, I'm always, it's the way you talk about people's fall is an indication of where you are. If you pounce on them falling and almost like you take joy in it, oh, it's about time, that joker. If that's you, your spirit, Jesus, when, when the sons of Thomas said, Jesus, let us call, <laughs> it was like, let us call fire out of heaven and consume them. It was like, Jesus, you don't know what spirit you of. Whenever you want bad to happen to people because of their sin, you have a low view of how sinful you are. And so what are we supposed to do as believers? We are, as believers, are supposed to Say, man, I'm living in a place where not that I can't 
see something wrong and engage it. But I want to live low enough. I want to live low enough to where I'm sensitive to when something happens to someone else, it makes me examine my life. See, when you're, self, when you're not self-righteous, it makes you like, man, I, like, even when you talk about it, even if you, because sometimes a fall has to be talked about. But when you talk about it, you got to say, you got to start it off like this. This is how you know you're walking in righteousness. I know this could happen to us. This could happen to me. Matter of fact, worse could happen. Then you start talking about it with a ton of humility. Be careful. Be careful how you talk about it. Because guess what? You can fall right into it. It says, take heed lest you fall. And so the beauty of overcoming the stronghold of self-righteousness is self-righteousness embraces God's righteousness. Look what Jesus says in verse 14. He says, I tell you. Now, this, you, 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 now you've, you've heard this story or you read the text already. <coughs> but this would have been very confusing to these people. He says, I tell you this. This one went down to his house justified rather the other one because everyone who exalts himself will be humbled but the one who humbles himself will be exalted listen God exalts and vindicates humility when you humble yourself God will take care of you when you pride yourself you're on your own Choose. Choose. Choose what to do. It's easy. Now, humility is hard because you might have to admit some stuff. Humility is hard is because you have to face yourself. Pride, pride in our life is the cluster. It's like, I don't know if y'all remember the candy back in the day. We had these candy called jawbreakers. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, the jawbreakers, it felt like it's going to break your jaw, crack up all your teeth. That's because it was built not to be bitten in too easy. But I used to like stuff like raising that. You just pop it in your mouth, caca, it was gone. Know the difference between one? One is softer, one is harder. One was made to be easily accessed. One was made to be resistant to access. God has called us to be raisinets, not jawbreakers. Let God pierce you, family, and get to the gook of what's in you so that you can look more and more like Jesus Christ. Father, we honor you and thank you for your righteousness that comes by faith through Jesus Christ. Lord, you know, one of the things that I'm learning continuously is that Living in Christ's righteousness instead of my own is just freeing. Because when we have to make up our own system of righteousness, it's exhausting. <laughs> Being self-righteous is exhausting and, and it's too much to, to try to keep up the charade. But in knowing you and walking with you and being able to come before your throne, the throne of grace, in the time of need just makes the pressure, puts the pressure on you. That's why you said, 
My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me because I am meek and lowly at heart and you will find rest. Shabbat for your soul. Lord, help us to find rest in you. Help the person that looks down on people to find rest in you. Help the person filled with insecurity to find rest in you. Help the person that's filled with resistance to the reality of their blind spots to find rest in you. God, we thank you for your kindness that knows no end. And you can handle any level of our brokenness. And we love you for that. That Christ has already taken care of everything that we can rest in him. Amen. <clears throat> On the night that Jesus was betrayed. <clears throat> uh, even before that, he told them to beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He called it leaven because leaven is yeast. Yeast is used, of course, as you know, in baking to make things look bigger than it actually is. So that's why in ritualistic aspects of most of Jewish life, they used unleavened bread. That's why this wafer is so thin. It's not a, it's, it's not a puffed cracker. Like if you look at the crackers, they got a little bit of yeast in them. The, the cheese crackers, cheese it, because they got yeast that puffed them up. They're really flat. When you, when, you, when you smash them, they crack apart because there's air inside of them. But unleavened bread is a sign of humility. It means when we take communion, this flat bread represents nothing added and nothing taken away. And it means humility. It means, it means, that's what it means. It means the humility of Christ. What Christ is, is who Christ is. That's why he says he is the bread of life. He's no fluff. And so when he says, this is my body, which is given for you, it's real righteousness without any filler. Let us eat together. Bible says life is in the blood. Life, uh, blood is, it's always interesting to me when I get blood work done. Because blood work can just about let you know anything that's wrong with you. It blows my mind. They can take blood and they can tell whether you have cancer, whether you have heart issues, whether you have diabetes, whether there's some type of bleeding somewhere in the other places of your body. There's so many things that blood can do. But I'm glad that blood doesn't only diagnose your problem. Christ's blood can deal with it. And so that's why he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. Let us drink together. Lord God Almighty. Thank you for the transfusion by faith. And that we've been made new. Help us to use our new identity in you in the correct ways so that we can experience you with fullness of joy. Let us go in peace this week and find new ways to experience your grace, your mercy, and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Take care. Lord, say the same. See you next week. Take care.
Hello, this is Dr. Eric Mason, founder of Pastor of Epiphany Fellowship. Thank you for tuning in today. Hopefully the word of God was a blessing to you. Also, if you want to help us build the kingdom from Philly and beyond, particularly in inner cities, partner with us today. And if you don't know Jesus as Savior, based on his death, burial, and resurrection, place your confidence in him and go from spiritual death to spiritual life. Tune in next time so we can see you go from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. God bless you. Take care. We love you.